Welcome to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast. I'm very pleased today to be here with my friend and colleague, Dr. Peter Bagshaw. My name's Andrew Trasida. I'm a GP in Somerset, and I work with Somerset's CCG, uh, Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group, on uh, pastoral matters and uh, patient safety. Peter. Yes, also uh, Somerset GP, and uh, I'm the Clinical Commissioning Group uh, mental health lead, uh, also leading for learning disabilities and dementia. Great. Well, today's topic um, is adapting with change, the new normal. And uh, maybe that's quite topical at the moment, but, but is it something that's always happening? Do we always have to cope with change, Peter? What's, what's going on? Well, the earliest reference I can find is Heraclitus in 540 BC, who said something like, we don't cross the same river twice, both we and the river are changed. So I, th I think the concept of change uh, is definitely not new, although it's so topical at the moment. And, and those of a certain age, uh, of which I'm certainly one, may, may remember Alvin Toffler's very uh, uh, influential book in the 60s or 70s uh, called Future Shock, where it was really saying that, that we're in a state of constant anxiety because change uh, is happening so quickly. Uh, and that was 50 years ago. So, yeah, absolutely, it's always been with us. So change is always with us, but why do we find it stressful? Are we adapted to change or do we like safety? What's, what, is there biology behind this that's, that's relevant? Yeah, in our previous uh, podcast, we're talking about how most of our current emotional equipment is, is around dealing uh, with the, the millions of years that we've had to adapt. And, of course, for a lot of that time, having things that were familiar, reliable, that, that we knew how they worked, and we knew they weren't going to jump out and, and eat us, was a really important thing. So things that were unfamiliar uh, back in the days when we lived in caves uh, were potentially dangerous. And although we live in different times, I think our, our nervous systems are still wired to be worried about that. Uh, in addition, of course, I, I don't know about you, Andrew, but uh, I certainly find that when everything is difficult, different, then everything needs attention. Uh, whereas if we've got things that are familiar, we can just coast along on, on auto autopilot a little bit and give our attention to, to other things. A bit like when you're learning to drive, you have to spend an awful lot of energy concentrating on every little single aspect of looking in the mirror, signalling, manoeuvre, concentrating on the gear changes, what's happening. And uh, I'm afraid at, uh, at the age of 60-something, I driving, I won't say it's automatic, but it, it's, it, it becomes one of those unconscious skills. And I'm sure many of us have, have had the experience of of arriving at the journey's end and not remembering much about the journey. And I'm sure we drove safely. Uh, I, ho I hope we did. <laughs> yes, and, and that's the advantage of, uh, of things that are familiar, that it allows us to give our concentration to other things. So if, if we have everything that's changing and different, it means that we need to attend to it, which is hard work. And I guess the way we do that, as we said before in our, our uh, chat about anxiety, is that we, we push up our sympathetic nervous system so that we're on high alert all the time, watching out for things. And that puts us into a state of anxiety and tension and makes it very hard to unwind. 
Um, and so there's there's things about inner stillness, and maybe it's maybe it's a moment to just remind ourselves about inner stillness. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're driving or using heavy machinery, just please don't carry out the exercise. But if you're sitting comfortably, then we'll just spend a few moments to ask you to pop your feet on the floor, to allow your spines to be comfortable, and just allow yourself to take three slow, regular rhythmic tummy breaths using your abdomen, using your diaphragm, and just three breaths allows most people to settle down and to recalibrate and to feel calm. And from that point of inner calm and inner stillness, we're generally much better at coping with change and with challenge. So thank you very much. And if you're continuing to drive or use, use heavy machineries, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're still safe. So thank you for that little interlude. So um, there was a tweet recently um, by NHS England from Amy J. Cuddy, which I found particularly interesting, which was, and it may be relevant, Peter, and I don't know if I could just read it out. It's, it's that all crises have three psychological phases. So the first phase, which which we certainly had early in 2020, but which we may have on a regular basis in our life, is emergency. And what happens in that crisis phase of emergency is that we have shared goals, which are quite clear. There is urgency, and it makes us feel energised and focused and, and maybe even quite productive. And certainly there's been lots of new initiatives. And uh, I remember reading years ago that in wartime, um, lots of new technological inventions and ways of working come forward very, very fast. The second phase, uh, and um, as we're recording now, a number of us may be in this phase, is regression. We realise that the future is uncertain. Maybe we lose some of our sense of purpose and maybe we become fatigued. We become tired and irritable and withdrawn and and a bit less productive. And the third phase is recovery. So emergency, regression, and recovery. And in recovery, we begin to reorientate uh, where we need to go to. We revise our values, our goals, our expectations, and our roles. And we start to focus on moving beyond instead of just getting by. So three phases of a psychological crisis, uh, of a crisis, and those are emergency, regression, and recovery. And the key thing about this is this is a normal reaction. If we're going through any of these states, this is a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. So the, the COVID crisis of 2020 is a very abnormal situation, but to go through these phases is quite normal. And I think part of our challenge as human beings is is confusing the stormy surface of the ocean, which is temporary, with the stillness of the depths which are underneath, which are underpinning that uh, that surface. So just to share that that tweet, Peter, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think that. No, I think that's really interesting, uh, Andrew. As you were saying it, you know that reflects how we're going through things as a society. But of course, it, it exactly mimics what each of us go through individually when we're faced with having to deal with a crisis where we'll be completely focused on that. And, and again, our nervous system is designed to do that. Uh, 
But then afterwards, we become unsettled and then we need a time of recovery. So as you say, this is a, a completely normal physiological process. I think it's important because so many people are finding it difficult at the moment to, to point out that there are some positives in this as well. So we've said that change is inevitable. If we don't have change, we stagnate. So actually, a bit of change and a bit of challenge and a bit of disruption to our normal ways of, of going about life, I, I think can be very, uh, very helpful. And as you say, it can actually energise you and uh, make us look at things in a, a different and hopefully a better way. That, that horrible phrase, the new normal. But as you say, it, we are all learning to do things in a different way and adapt. And, and hopefully we'll learn from that and take some of the positives forward. And, and probably one of the biggest challenges for those of us who've, who've been locked down, especially if we've been in flats or in cities, is, is, is all that creative energy that comes with change and there's change going on and, and tension may have been locked in and held in and, and it needs a, an outlet. So it's how we, how we cope with change, but how we also use that energy which is generated every day perhaps, but certainly during times of change, and we could use it constructively rather than destructively. And that comes back to something we've touched on before about not stressing over the things that we can't control, uh, but changing the things that we can. So we're all put under situations of stress, whether it's by change or uh, other circumstances. But then the way we react to it, exactly as you say, can either be in a positive, productive way, using that. Uh, and obviously you see this in, in artists, for instance, who will use stress uh, to produce great works of art. Um, or we can, we can just find that it's a completely destructive thing and negative and go around in circles uh, getting stressed by it. So we may not be able to change the outside world and the circumstances, but we can always change the way we deal with that. Absolutely. Um, we can change our reaction, or at least we have control of our reactions to the events. We can't change the outside events. Um, Peter, how important are personal and society values at a time of change? And what sort of values are important? That's something I've been thinking about a, a while recently, because we've had time to reflect on this. And so often the values are things that we've grown up with and taken for granted, rather than reflecting on. Uh, and I think it, it's, as well as the change in the physical environment, the change in society's values can also be very challenging. Uh, so the, the things that were held to be important when you and I uh, were growing up aren't held to be important now. And, and that can be quite difficult, I think. So as well as learning to uh, deal with new technology and uh, learning to, to work out to, uh, how to work with the new remote control, we also have to learn to adjust to different values uh, and incorporate, them, incorporate those into our, our own belief system. I don't know if, if you find that a similar challenge. Absolutely. And it sometimes makes us think about fundamental values and the fundamental values of, of kindness, of tolerance and of, of respect and of respect for other people, but respect for ourselves as well and, and self-care, which is a, a topic we've, we've touched on in the past as well. Um, and, and also, as part of that, 
rest and renewal. So respect, relationships, rest and renewal are all values that sort of come to mind as as being important at a time of change. Because if we can hold on to our values, then then we have uh, something to help us navigate through. As you were saying before, uh, although things may change and be stormy on the surface, if we can keep to those inner core of values of kindness, uh, respect and tolerance, then I think that helps us navigate our way through the very different uh, societal values uh, that we're encountering today. That's really helpful. Um, Now, Peter, perhaps the biggest change that we can um, um, face is when a loved one dies or we become very ill and and we're fearful for our own life. Um, What sort of emotions can we go through then what are those phases what what what's what's happening then and how can we be helped what understanding could we bring to help that and we talked didn't we in our, our first podcast about dealing with grief and loss and the the stages that you go through and they're they're fairly well described we, we could refresh those again now would it be helpful do you think yes would you like to go through those again andrew yeah so the four phases of, of, of change or loss are, are recognising loss, um, trying to prevent loss, trying to recover loss, and finally letting go of loss. And those are the four phases. And the emotions that we experience uh, are in recognising loss, we may have shock and denial, and that prevents us recognising. And then as we gradually do recognise it, we move into the next phase, um, of, of trying to prevent the loss when we experience the feelings of anger and, and guilt. And we were talking about irritability or creativity just now um, when we're frustrated in lockdown. Uh, and anger transformed is creativity. Uh, and the next phase of, of recovering loss is, is, is accompanied by bargaining and, and a flat depressed stage. Not, not clinical depression, but a sort of a low energy stage. And finally, in letting go of loss, we, we reach acceptance. Uh, and so those are the phases that we go through um, at any time of our life, but I think particularly at a time of, of big change and, and of bereavement and, uh, and of loss, it's, it's worth remembering that map of, of where we're going because otherwise we get stuck. We get stuck in the storm on the surface and we forget the, the importance of the stillness underneath that's supporting us. Mm. And it's not just loss of a loved one. It's, in, in a way, all of life is about letting go of things, isn't it? Whether it's childhood, um, whether it's coming to accept that we have grey hair rather than dark hair. Uh, life is all about change and loss. And again, we can always dwell on the negative side of that. Uh, but it's important, I think, to catch ourselves getting stuck in those negative loops and realising it's much better to look on the, the glass half full. And I, I, I know it's a cliche, um, but it's the basis behind a lot of the talking therapies is just teaching us to reframe our habits of thought in more productive and positive ways. And if we feel anger, say, um, do something creative, as you said, with it, uh, rather than go out and smash something up. And you mentioned thought and, and, and understanding our thought. Are, are there any therapies? Are there any particular approaches that it would be useful for us to learn or to understand to help us with 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 coping with change? 
one of the, the exciting things that has happened in my time as a professional is that talking therapies have now been as well studied as pills. So we actually know the things that help and the things that don't. And we know that just endlessly going over what's happened in our lives doesn't actually help move us forward. But that if we can challenge our thoughts and emotions. Uh, so I think most people have heard of cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, CBT. And that's the basis behind the uh, IAPT talking therapies that you may get referred to if you have mild to moderate anxiety or depression. And it, it really works. The success rate for that is extremely good. Uh, the other thing that, again, most people will have heard of uh, is mindfulness, which is much like the, the exercise you did uh, earlier, where we become aware of how we are in the moment. And there are lots of other therapists as well, CAT, DBT. Uh, they, they all seem to have acronyms uh, that are a bit incomprehensible. But they've all been studied. They all work. So to people who... I, I get quite a few patients who say, well, I had counselling 20 years ago. It didn't do anything. I, I don't think I really want to do that. And I say to them, look, this is new stuff. This is a different way of looking at things. This is trying to reframe your way of, of looking at your emotions. And it really works. Give it a try. That's really interesting. And there's a resource in Somerset, a, a booklet that's on the Somerset uh, partnership. Uh, well, it's, I'll give you the website in a minute, but it's called Dealing with Uncomfortable Thoughts and Feelings, a self-awareness guide that two psychiatrists in Somerset have put together. Uh, it's, it's a lovely um, booklet, uh, and it talks about dealing with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, the fact that the sky is different from the weather that we're experiencing. We were talking a, a little while ago about the ocean, the storm on the surface, the weather on the surface, as opposed to the, the stillness in below. And also, you may be lost, but you aren't broken. And it's, it's come from the recovery partners uh, of Somerset uh, Partnership NHS Foundation Trust. And the web address is somersetwlc.co.uk uh, and uh, it's under WP content uploads. Uh, but if you search for dealing with uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, Somerset, uh, you should come up with the somersetwlc.co.uk uh, website uh, address for that. And it's a, a beautifully um, illustrated little booklet, only 16 pages long. And I have to say, it, it epitomizes some really interesting aspects of 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 dealing with life of three principles thinking and and, and and other stuff and highly recommend that lots of really good stuff out there so if people are interested in going through the, the talking therapist they can simply do a, a web search for somerset talking therapist you can self-refer to that you don't have to go through your your gp uh, and currently the waiting lists are quite short actually so you can be seen quite quickly can I give an example, maybe, of the sort of things that that you might look at if you went to uh, a cognitive behavioural therapy that session? That would be really helpful. So um, one of the, the tricks that our mind plays on us uh, is a thing called catastrophization. So when something goes wrong, rather than just saying, oh, that didn't work out very well, did it? I'll try again. We say, oh, it's gone wrong again. I always get it wrong uh, and the next, when I, if I try it again, there's no point because it's going to go wrong again. This always keeps happening to me. I'm just a complete failure. And you, you go down this little rabbit warren 
in which just one incident, if we have low self-esteem because of things that have happened to us previously, uh, if we're predisposed to these thoughts, uh, we can end up in a, a complete cycle of despair. And what CBT will do uh, is to say, well, let's just unpick this emotion. Let's look at the trigger. We won't go over the stuff that's brought you to here. We'll just take from now, when something happens, what your reaction to it is, and unpack that and see if we can use our rational mind to think in a better way. And people say, well, you know, I, I can't change my thoughts. But the way we react to things, as we were saying earlier about reacting to change, is very different. So they give this example of somebody who is a friend who you see on the other side of the street um, and you wave to and they, they don't wave back. Well, some people will say, oh, they didn't spot me. That's OK. Some people might say, oh, dear, are they OK? They're, they're obviously wrapped up in themselves. They didn't notice them. Some will say, oh, dear, have I done something to upset them? They didn't respond to me. They, they've chosen to ignore me. Uh, and some people might say, oh, this is always happening. It always goes wrong. I thought they were a friend, but clearly I've done something terrible and it's all going to be dreadful. And all of these are valid responses, but they can't all be right. And so if we can learn to respond in the most helpful way, then, then that's useful for the future. Thank you. It sounds to me on that spectrum of responses there that we were looking at life through different lenses, and some of those were clear lenses and some of those were maybe rose-tinted, but some of them were gloomy lenses. We've got the blues, and maybe we look at something through the, a lens that's tinted yellow. We're fearful of the situation. And uh, the, the problem is that we take it personally uh, and... Um, in taking something personally, we may not have insight into our emotional state. We may not be detached from it. And so we look through a lens of, of distress or through a lens of fear. And is CBT helping us understand that sort of what's happening in that, that contaminated thinking, that thinking that's tainted by a feeling? Yes, it's uh, hopefully uh, either replacing the, the lens or, or at least giving it a bit bit of a wipe so we see things more clearly. So using these techniques, how do we improve the way we look at change? How can we learn to embrace change rather than be fearful of it, would you say, Andrew? Um, it sounds to me as what you've just described. Um, we talked about inner stillness earlier, but the description of, of the CBT approach is that it helps us realize that by looking at change through an emotionally um, maybe out of balance lens doesn't give us a true picture so it allows us a way of using our minds to detach from the weather and to see the sky um, to not get caught up in the turbulence on the ocean surface but to understand the importance of stillness in the depths uh, is that, is that a sound reasonable assessment of what you're trying to say? Absolutely. And that's not to underestimate that if we have uh, been through trauma or we have other things that predispose us to make it difficult to see things in that way, then, then that's not a simple thing. It can take a lot of hard work and effort. But it's well worth learning to do that because long term, it's a much better solution to anxieties or depression uh, or difficulties than, than taking a tablet every, every time we feel distressed. And, and Peter, does nature help us with that approach? Absolutely. And we've, uh, we've raised this before, haven't we? I mean, quite literally looking at the sky 
is is often helpful, isn't it? Um, there's there's lots of physiology uh, about how our brains work differently when we're out in nature because it it takes us out of ourselves and it stops us going around this loop of inner self doubt and self questioning. Uh, so actually, just absorbing what's going on around us, realizing that we're a small part of something bigger, uh, is is really helpful. Maybe this should be a, a subject of another podcast. Uh, what do you think? Well, um, I think we've got a little bit more to develop, but I think on, on on the nature, I think we certainly could. But there's a thought that comes to me that there's a, a there's a in, in educational theory, there's Kolb's learning cycle, K-O-L-B, and you don't need to look it up, but uh, Kolb's learning cycle says we have an experience, we reflect on it, and we learn from it. And as human beings, we reflect every moment of, 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 of our lives, of every experience. And sometimes we get stuck on the reflection, but it seems that nature, the changing frames of nature, the the, the, the sky, the clouds, the, the wind in the trees, uh, and if we're on a journey, and if we're lucky enough to be on a journey in Somerset, um, we will see lots of different landscape and, and different plants and, and views. It seems as though the changing frames of nature s- the, give us support in our reflection by providing patterns of harmony, in the same way as music can help us reflect and allows us to move from one stuck frame of mind through that um, and through a process where we can look at an issue uh, of change or of anything from a complete perspective rather than stuck somewhere in a frame halfway along the way. I agree. and that An awful lot of our reflections are just going round and round in circles and not actually moving on. So things like using nature, using external events, using music, using change uh, can help us to get out of that stuck nature and uh, come to something more positive. And here we are in Somerset and just thinking about what other um, opportunities are there, what other support is there um, in Somerset um, for people with emotional um difficulties at the moment i think somerset mind um have, have been part of a group that have put something together yes i'll i'll give our i think every every time we do this we give a plug to mindline don't we which is our new 24 7 uh advice service in uh, in these uh, socially distanced times so simply uh, do a website for that uh, website search for that somerset mindline and uh, they're available 24-7. And there are informal help available as well. There's a, a lot of stuff going on in Somerset. Um, and there's help available from family and friends, maybe in different ways to what we're used to. But don't be afraid to access that. Again, a lot of us, I think, get embarrassed to talk about mental health difficulties, but more and more we're recognising that sharing it, talking about it, is helpful because we'll realise that lots of other people around us are having exactly the same thoughts and difficulties and sharing that can be very positive. Thank you, Peter. So the, the, the website there for, for Mind in Somerset is, is www.mindinsomerset.org.uk and you'll be able to find on that um, uh, the support. They have got a phone number, which is Taunton 01823 276 
892, that's 01823 276 892. But the number I always suggest to people, um, Peter, all my patients in distress, uh, they should have engraved on their heart, perhaps, well, certainly on their mobile phone, is 116123. So if ever anybody's feeling desperate, 116123, that's the Samaritans. And the Samaritans are always there, 24-7, able to provide a listening uh, support for any of us who feel in crisis. And sometimes change uh, we adapt to effortlessly, we glide through it, we move through it and all is complete. And sometimes for some of us, we reach a crisis point and we feel quite desperate. And at a point of desperation, please, please, please ensure you connect with somebody, with somebody you know, with somebody you don't know, with the Samaritans and but or with somebody or the emergency services, but ask for help if you are in, in desperate circumstances. And I'm sure you, like I, would, would always try and encourage people to make contacts and, and help themselves before they get to that situation. I'd absolutely endorse that they do a fantastic job. Um, but you don't have to be at desperation point to reach out to somebody. So uh, Somerset Mind Line, Somerset Talking Therapies, uh, and most practices now have a, a mental health uh, support worker attached to the practice. So there's lots of help available at local level for, for anyone. So contact your own GP can, can help with some of these issues. Absolutely, yes. They'll have a, a list of sites that uh, that they can give you and put you in touch, certainly with the primary care mental health worker, often within days. Well, that's great to hear. Lovely. I think we've um, gone through quite a lot of change now. I don't, I don't know if we've worked out what the new normal is, but I hope that this conversation has, has um, given us some thoughts to both you and I. I've, I've very much enjoyed it. Uh, uh, and perhaps our listeners are able to find some thoughts and resources from that as well. And we welcome feedback from them, of course. We do. Thank you very much, Peter. See you on another occasion. Thank, Thank you, you very much, you. Peter. You've been listening to the Somerset Emotional Wellbeing Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrew Tresider and Dr. Peter Bagshaw. The show was created by David Seeley and was produced by Rob Hunt's Music on behalf of the Somerset Clinical Commissioning Group.